the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. I mean, Naaman hadn't done anything to deserve this cure, but God in his gracious provision said through the prophet Elisha, just go tell him to dip himself seven times in the Jordan River and he'll be cured. He'll be cleansed. You know, God has made gracious provision for us. It's called the cross. And Jesus Christ dies on a cross for us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't do anything to earn it. It's just God in his graciousness provided a cure for us by sending his son Jesus to die on a cross. Just believe in this and you shall be saved. This is Cornerstone Connection. The radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 2 Kings. In 2 Kings, a man named Naaman, who was greatly renowned for his military leadership and prowess, contracted leprosy. God graciously sent word to Elisha the prophet directing Naaman to wash in the Jordan River seven times to be healed. Pastor Gary points out that Naaman did nothing to deserve this healing, just as we who have been gifted salvation through grace do not deserve eternal life. However, God has paved the way for us. If we just believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, we will be cleansed and made whole. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for part two of today's message, Healing Naaman. The other thing about leprosy, very similar to sin, is that it would naturally cause isolation. People with leprosy would be shunned, ostracized, isolated. Okay? A lot of times it was for medical reasons. It was a quarantine. But it was also then combined with being judgmental. It was, a, it was a tragic thing to have. But sin in a similar way isolates us. You, if you don't address sin in your life, you end up kind of being isolated with the same people who commit the same kind of sins that you do. You end up being isolated away from your other friends and family, and you become isolated in your own little community, and you become separated from God. Another similarity between leprosy and sin is that leprosy would lead to the desensitization of your nerve endings. And, and so a lot of times people with leprosy would injure themselves further because as the disease progressed, you would lose all feeling, all sensation. It was a nervous system a, a disease as well as a skin disease. And so a lot of times people with leprosy would reach for something. It might be, it might be boiling hot. They couldn't feel it. They'd burn themselves. Sin has the same characteristic. The more that we engage in sin and don't address it and repent of it, we become desensitized to it over long periods of time and we don't feel the conviction like we used to. 
And the other thing about leprosy and sin is that leprosy will eventually, over a long period of time, it'll kill you. And so does sin. So there are similarities here. And I want us now, as we look at this story, I want you to read this story with me with two eyes. I want you to look at, at this story with one eye on the idea that this is a real story, real man, real leprosy. But I want you to have another eye, and I want you to see it as a parallel. That Naaman's story is our story. That his life and, and his disease with leprosy is similar to our disease of sin. We're affected by sin. It's incurable. It will eventually kill us. Naaman's disease is our disease. But now listen, Naaman's cure is our cure. I want you to see this story with two eyes as we look at it. These are parallel stories going at the same time. Now here's the first thing for those of you who like to take notes here. When you look at this story, how does it begin? It begins because Naaman recognizes that he has an incurable condition. It begins with the recognition of an incurable condition. That's our story too. That's the parallel because sin is an incurable condition. We are born into sin. We have a sin nature. The Bible says in Romans 5, 12, that sin entered the world through one man, that is Adam, and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all men because all sinned. I mean, the Bible just paints a picture. We all have a sin disease. We're dying from it. It's incurable. We're born into it. We're born with a sin nature. David said it this way in Psalm 51, 5. Surely I was sinful from birth, from the time my mother conceived me. He says, even from conception, we're born with a sinful nature, okay? We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners, okay? That's not a play on words. It's to understand that the issue, the reason why we behave in sinful ways is because we're born with a sinful nature. So we're corrupt. We're dying of a, the same disease. It's the sin problem. Now, sin in its most basic definition is missing the mark, because when we understand that God is perfect in his holiness and in, and in every way, God is perfect. He's like the bullseye in a target, and we can never hit the bullseye. Because we can never measure up to his perfection. He's perfect and we're not. That's sin. Now, now sin is a word that the Bible uses, but it's not common street language. But I will guarantee you that we're on the same page in this regard, because anybody I've ever talked to will at least say, I'm not perfect. You can get anybody to admit, I'm not perfect. Well, they're saying the same thing that the Bible is saying. They're, they're just saying it in a different way. They're recognizing they're not perfect. God is perfect. I'm not. Okay? I'm a sinner. That's what the Bible says. We're all sinners. We don't measure up to that perfect standard of God. We've missed the mark. We have a sin nature. So if you recognize that God is perfect and I'm not perfect, but only perfect people will stand in the presence of God, now we have a problem. We have a sin problem because if I'm not perfect and God is and only perfect people get to be in the presence of God, how do we address that? Well, that's Naaman's issue. He's dying from an incurable thing. How does he get the cure? And you won't understand the cure until you first acknowledge the condition. The condition of every human heart is sinful. We're all broken people. Well, what happens here with Naaman is this is a wonderful thing about the way God works. Now, God works here in providential ways. And he, and he does the same thing in our lives. Let me tell you how he does it here in Naaman's life. If you notice again, verse 2, interesting thing happens. Because here's the problem. We've got a man who's dying of something. He needs a cure. We need to connect him to the true and living God who can provide the cure. But Naaman is a Gentile. He's a Syrian pagan guy. He worships false gods. How are you going to connect him with the perfect and true God? Well, this is how God providentially does it. It says in verse 2, 
that the Syrian army went out on periodic raids. Okay? This is the day before, you know, soldiers had some cable TV, some downtime, pack of cigarettes, you know. So what are we going to do? Let's go raid some neighboring villages. Let's just go have fun, practice our soldier skills, and go out and raid some neighboring villages. And one time, when they raided a neighboring village, they captured a girl. And it wasn't just any girl. Just so happened, she was an Israeli girl, it says there in verse 2. And it just so happened that she ends up coming into Naaman's house to work for Naaman's wife. And it just so happens that because she's an Israeli girl and she knows the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and she knows that Elisha is the prophet of God at this time, it just so happens that she says this to Naaman's wife. And you know what? I know a prophet back in Israel where I come from, and if, if your husband would go see him, he'd be cured of his leprosy. Now, what is God doing here? He's arranging providentially. He's putting this Israeli girl along the path of Naaman to connect him to the true and living God who's the cure for what he has. And God does that all the time. Listen, those of you who have come to know Christ as your Savior, you can look back and you can recognize there's been, so to speak, some Israeli girls that God has providentially brought on your path, different men and women, people that you can look back at and you know God brought that person into my life at this time and then this other person into my life at this time so that together God would use them to connect the dots to who he is. How many of you can remember there's some people in your life that were part of God's providential plan? Amen. Okay? That's what God is doing here. And some of you who don't profess to be Christians and you're here and you would just honestly say, you know, I don't really have a personal relationship with Christ. I was just invited here and whatever. Okay, God bless you. You're here. I'm thankful that you're here. But there's some, if you will, Israeli girls that God has planted in your path. I guarantee it. There's somebody, there's some man at your office. You know he's a Christian and he, and he looks like he hasn't had any fun since 1973. <laughs> But he brings his Bible, and he's just he's always reading his Bible, and you're looking at this guy reading his Bible all the time. You go, that, that's that Christian guy. Yeah, that's the Israeli guy that, that God has brought along your path. Or, or some of you, you go to school, and you're like, you always see this one kid who prays over his lunch, doesn't party with the rest of you, comes to church. That's the Israeli girl. Some of you, are, you on your commute to work, you get on the metro, and you always see the same lady. She's always there reading her Bible, smiling at you, saying Jesus loves you. That's the Israeli girl. God is bringing people along your path. I got a call, actually an email a few months ago from a guy that I didn't even remember meeting about eight years earlier. Sends me this email. He says, hey, Pastor Gary, you may not remember me, but you, you spent a, a few times with me, meeting with me. He was here on spring break. He was going to Longwood College, and a friend brought him, and he wanted to talk about the Lord. He had a lot of questions about the Bible. I spent some time with him. I didn't even remember it until I get the email. I was like, okay, yeah, I, I remember meeting with you. And well, anyway, he didn't, he didn't receive Christ the times that I met with him. But later, he went off to grad school, uh, got his master's in English. And then he, now he's over in Kosovo. He's te teaching English at a high school in Kosovo. And he emails me. Hey, you may not remember me, but eight years ago, you talked about the Lord. I had a lot of questions. Well, anyway, I came to receive Christ along the way. And, and now I'm, I'm, I'm saved. I'm born again. I've been watching you online. I've been downloading your app, and I've been studying the Bible along with you. And, hey, I just had a few questions. Could you answer a few questions? And I'm looking at the emails like, you know, <laughs> a few, you know. And so I emailed him back, said, hey, yeah, I do remember you. And, and do you have a Skype address? It would be a lot easier if I could just kind of Skype you instead of typing all these answers. So, so we connected over Skype. And ever since then, past few months, 1.30 on Wednesdays, I Skype this guy in Kosovo, and it's about 8.30 p.m. his time, 
and I'm just, I've just been discipling him. And one of the things he's asked me is, he says, here I am a teacher in a country, Kosovo is 95% Muslim. He says, my, all my, my students in my class are Muslim, all of them. And he says, I just want the Lord to use me now. So let's pray that God will be able to, to use me at some kind of influence, some kind of level to witness here. And so I did. Well, this past week when I'm Skyping with him, he said, hey, Pastor Gary, you're never going to believe this. This one girl, this high school girl in my class just came up out of the blue. And his name is Fernando. I said, Mr. Fernando, do you have a Bible? I just want to read a Bible. He's like, well, as a matter of fact, that he has one in his backpack and he gives, gives her his own Bible. And so now here, the, for the first time, this Muslim girl is reading a Bible, this high school Muslim girl in her life. What was God doing? He plucked a young guy from Virginia and took him 5,000 miles to Kosovo to get in the path of this Muslim high school girl to say, here's a Bible so you can learn about who Jesus Christ really is. And God does that all the time. And he's doing it here for Naaman. He's providentially working here. Here's this Israeli girl. I'm going to put her, put her right in your home so that you're going to have this connection to who I am through the prophet Elisha. And all this stuff starts unraveling. That's the way God works in our lives. So Naaman then goes to the king of Aram and he says, Hey, this girl working in my house, she's you know, serving my wife. She says that there's this guy in Israel who can heal me of my leprosy. I need to go check this out. The king of Aram says, with my blessings, by all means go. I'll write a letter to the king of Israel. Miscalculation. Because the king of Israel was an idolatrous, wicked king, King Joram. He had no relationship with Elisha. But King Aram thought that the king of Israel maybe would. The king of Israel gets this letter from Naaman. He's like, who am I? My God, what can I do? I can't heal this guy. And so Elisha hears that the king has torn his robes. He's all frustrated, mad. Look at the story again, verse 8. It says, When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. In other words, Elisha says to the king, Why did you have to go tearing your robes? The guy just got the wrong address, all right? You're not the one that's going to help him. I am. Just send him to me. And so Naaman goes, verse 9. He went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Please note that. It's number three in our list. God makes gracious provision for a cure. I mean, Naaman hadn't done anything to deserve this cure, but God in his gracious provision said through the prophet Elisha, Just go tell him to dip himself seven times in the Jordan River, and he'll be cured. He'll be cleansed. You know, God has made gracious provision for us. It's called the cross. And Jesus Christ dies on a cross for us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't do anything to earn it. It's just God in his graciousness provided a cure for us by sending his son Jesus to die on a cross. Just believe in this and you shall be saved. Naaman, just do this and you will be cured. Well, look at his reaction, verse 11. But Naaman went away angry. Circle that word. He went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. He said in verse 12, Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Circle those words. Anger, verse 11. Rage in verse 12. This guy's ticked off. Why is he so angry? I and mean, you've come 150 miles 
with an incurable disease and somebody says, go just dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Why wouldn't you just want to do that? I'll tell you why he didn't want to do that. I'll tell you why he's so angry here. Because Elisha doesn't even come to the door. It says, Elisha sent his messenger. Go tell him to do this. And then the messenger says to him, what you need to do is go dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River. And the combination of the fact that Elisha doesn't even have the courtesy to go to the door. This is what Naaman is. Naaman is ticked off because he's thinking to himself, don't you know who I am? I'm a general in the Syrian army. I'm the commander of the forces of Syria. I've come here to your house. You don't even have the decency to come to the front door. You send your messenger boy to tell me to go dip myself. And to dip myself, to do what? Seven times in the Jordan River? I got better rivers back in Damascus that are cleaner than this muddy swamp. What are you talking about? Don't you know? And he's, got, he's all enraged because, listen to me, listen to me. The instruction here has confronted his pride and his overinflated self-importance. And you know what? That's what happens. When you hear the reality of your condition, it can sometimes make people angry. Do you remember the first time? And maybe today is the first time, so I, I don't know how you're hearing some of this. First time you heard somebody and read the Bible and were told, you know what? You're a sinner. You're messed up. Your, your life is a wreck. And you need Jesus. You'd be like, who do you think you are? I, my life's not all that messed up. I, I'm a decent person, and I do this, I do that. I'm a good person compared to this person especially, the guy I work for. I'm a, I'm a saint of God. You know, and you start going through that whole comparison game. It can make you angry. But the truth needs to be understood. Because until you're going to get to cure Naaman, you need to understand your condition. And when we hear about the truth of who we are, it confronts us, confronts our pride and our overinflated self-importance. This is what you need to do, Naaman. Go dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River and, you, and you'll be cured. Well, the only way that Naaman could be cured was through humility and simple obedience. That's number four on our list. The cure comes through humility and simple obedience. Naaman's servants come to Naaman, and they're like, General, listen, you know, you probably should just simmer down a little bit here because, simmer down now, because, listen, this, all you're being asked to do here is to dip in the Jordan River. You've got an incurable disease. It seems to us, you know, with all due respect, General, that maybe you should just do what the guy told you to do. We've come 150 miles, and it would be a shame to go all the way back and you die in this misery. Why don't you just do what he says? And so he obliges. Verse 14. So he went down, and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Isn't that beautiful? Can you imagine this guy coming up? You have to imagine like a disfigured body. Maybe even his, at this point, his nose is collapsed. He is just disfigured and, 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 you know, hard to look at now. And maybe even his hands have begun to curl up with this disease. And then and he comes up out of this water and he's just completely brand new. Let me tell you something, folks. That is what happens to us when we come to trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Our twisted, mangled, broken souls come to a place of complete cleansing and healing. And that's why John 3, it speaks about the Christian experience as being born again. That's what happens here with Naaman. He takes on the flesh of like a young baby, like he's born again. The cure comes because, 
we humble ourselves, and through simple obedience, we just do what God says. What are we supposed to do? Believe in, in the Lord Jesus Christ and we shall be saved? It's so simple. It sounds so simple. We complicate it. That's exactly right. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. But you got to humble yourself. You got to lower yourself. You got to deny self. You got to receive what Christ has done. Believe, receive. You shall be cured, if you will. That's what happens here with Naaman. He does experience the cure, but only because he humbled himself and he did the simple thing through obedience. What a tragedy for him to have left and have not received the cure that was there for him just through simple obedience. So that's what happens here. And then it says in verse 15, and then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. They go back to Elisha and he stood before him and he said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. He comes to this place where he realizes the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the only true and living God. I finally see this now. I accept. I believe. At the end of verse 15, then he says, please accept now a gift from your servant. Now, he tries to give Elisha some money here. It tells us back in verse 5 of our story that Naaman left Syria with 10 talents of gold, six, uh, sorry, 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 outfits of clothing, which we don't know what the value of those were, but we know the weight and the value of shekels and talents, silver and gold. What he was carrying with him in today's terms to calculate in today's U.S. dollars was the equivalent of $3 million. And he says to Elisha, I now know that there's a God. You know, I've, I've been cured, and here I just want to give you this gift. Now, i got to tell you, if someone were to come up to me, <laughs> I'm just being real with you, at the end of the service, they go, you know what? I just got saved today. I gave my life to Jesus, and, and I just want to write a check to the Making Him Known Project for $3 million. I'd be like, somebody got a pen? You know, that's what I would probably be. <laughs> No, but I'll tell you the reason why, the reason why that's not good and the reason why Elisha didn't do it. Look at verse 16. It says, the prophet answered, as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. Here's why he refused. Because he knew, Naaman, you're self-made man. You've done everything yourself and you've been brilliant in your career. You've risen to the top and, and everything has gone well with you. And for the first time, a battle has been won on your behalf because God did something for you you couldn't do and Elisha knew, I can't confuse you to make you think for a minute that you bought this. Because the truth is, last point on our list, God is a loving, merciful God, and the cure is a free gift. It's a free gift, gang. And that's what's true for us. Salvation is a free gift. We can't earn it. We, we don't deserve it. We can't do anything to achieve it. A gift, by definition, is a gift. Receive it. It is free. What Christ has done for us on the cross. Do you see this with me? Folks, listen. I am Naaman. You are Naaman. We're all dying of an incurable disease. It's called sin. And God in His infinite love for us has made gracious provision for us by sending His Son Jesus to die on a cross. And then He says to us, Now, if you would just humble yourself, and do the simple thing by believing by faith that what Christ has done for you is sufficient for the forgiveness of all your sins. And then after receiving him, you'll also go to heaven. That's the cure for your life. Do that and you will be saved, folks. Receive it. Believe and receive the cure 
to the thing that is killing all of us. It's a sinful condition. That's why Christ has died for us, to cure every Naaman in the world. We're glad you joined us today as we follow Israel's tumultuous history in the book of 2 Kings. We continue to discover important passages such as Elijah passing on the mantle of prophecy and leadership to Elisha and see God continue mighty works through his prophet. Great and wondrous signs were done in this time, and yet the kings of Israel and Judah did not do right in the eyes of the Lord. Their disobedience has resulted in invasion, defeat, and exile. Even there, God showed up, remaining faithful to His people and not allowing them to be completely destroyed. We love walking through the story of God's people with you and would love to connect with you even more. We meet together every Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. But if you can't join us there, feel free to sign up for our podcast or download our mobile app. You'll find links to both of these online at cornerstoneconnection.cc. You can also find additional resources to help you in your own study of the Word, as well as more information about Cornerstone Connection. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you tune in again as Pastor Gary continues to teach through 2 Kings on the next edition of Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.